your goodness to us. Like we're going to learn this morning, it does not matter what our situation and circumstances are. We know we can still rejoice in you. Because you are the God that helps us in all our tribulations, in all our situations, and in all our circumstances. Thank you, O oh God, because we can depend on the fact that you will always come to our level, meet us at our level, and elevate us to that place where you are. We give you praise. We bless you. We glorify you and exalt you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Father, this morning also, I just want to pray for all the people that are out there, Pastor Bank and the team. We just want to agree, Father, oh God, that your grace is with them. We also want to agree that every word that you speak on the field, you will bring to come to pass, O oh God. Amen. Thank you, O oh God. We bless your holy name. Yes, this morning, I just ask for the anointing that makes teaching and preaching easy. Yes, Help us, O oh God, with the oil from heaven that makes understanding and comprehension easy. Amen. We give you praise that as we express your word, there will be understanding. And then there will be the Spirit of God that will be present and available to motivate us to do everything that you have spoken. We we'll bless you and we we'll give you praise. We thank you, O oh God. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. 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 How are you all doing? In case you don't know me because the guy who introduced me did not introduce me very well, my name is Larry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. As a way of recognition, I just want to recognize some people this morning. Uh, I have a brother, Emmanuel Mutebi. How many of you know Brother Peter Mutebi? Yes. So remember, that's his brother. There. So if you, if you see the face, you know you have seen Brother Peter. Am I correct? Yes. You're very much welcome. Also, 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 um, I also want to uh, present to you and uh, honor Professor and Mrs. Afonja. Professor and Mrs. Afonja sitting right here. Just appreciate them this morning. And they are the parents of Sister Kenny Olayeye. And they came visiting, they are visiting us. So, yeah, 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 you can do better. You can do better than that. You can do better. Appreciate them this morning. Appreciate them this morning. After the service, make sure you uh, shake hands with them, greet them, and help them, you know, let them know how much we appreciate them and appreciate our sister. Yeah. All right. Um, we're still going on in our series that I call the Call to series, and it's about money. So last Sunday, we did Call to Abundance, and this morning, we're doing Call to Stewardship. All right? 
So we're doing call, we did call to abundance, we're doing call to stewardship. And all this is all about what? Money, right? But, it's, but I'm trying to teach it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to teach it the best way I understand from scripture and it is not, uh, it's, it's not and will not be a normal or what you understand generally of, you know, what uh, uh, money, the way money has been communicated for a long time. All right, it's just, I'm just taking a slightly different turn because of my own understanding and my own comprehension of what the scripture says about uh, uh, money. And um, last week we said we're doing this. We're doing this because the Bible mentioned over 2,000 times money than any other topics in the, in, in the world. Any other, to, any other topic in scripture, you talk about faith, you talk about love, you talk about joy, you talk, whatever it is, the Bible has something to say about money than any other um, uh, uh, topic in scripture. And if God sees that it is important, we ought to make it important too. All right? Then we said uh, uh, the reason why God really wants us to understand money is number one, that there's nothing in the world, not even the devil, contends for the place of God in our hearts than money. Money contends for the place of God in our hearts. It wants to take the place of our hearts. Money is something that doesn't have a mind, but it has the ability and the personality to take control. It is a mindless controller. That's why God is so, that's why God is so, so, uh, um, God is so interested in us understanding money. All right, we also said that number two, God tells us about money because there are so many things in the world that can sabotage our spiritual upliftment. In other words, there are spiritual things, you are making progress spiritually, but sometimes natural things can derail your spiritual progress, right? Why? Because uh, we, 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 we still have this body in us. We still live in this flesh, and they still control a lot of things that we do. And therefore, that spiritual things or spiritual progress can be hampered by natural activities or events. All right? And we talked about some things. We talked about how we can move, that God has given all of us abundance. God has called us to abundance. And we made sure to explain that abundance does not mean you're a millionaire, right? Yes, sir. Okay, abundance does not mean that you're a millionaire. Based on scripture, we understand and we know that abundance has to do with you having all sufficiency in all times. And you have enough to commit to every good work. All right? We have enough to commit to every good work. And we said, God talks about money a lot because God has called us to good works. Because if you look at our anchor scripture, the Bible says that God has made all grace to abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things will abound to every good work. So God wants us to abound to every good work. And as such, God has called us to, and, and the Bible says, the Bible also tells us that God has created us for good works. We are created for good works. We are created to, to, to complete God's good works. And now in, a, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, the Bible is telling us that one of the reasons that God makes resources available for us is to be able to accomplish the good works that he has called us to. 
So this is, these are one of the reasons. You know, Jesus spoke about 38, depending on how you counted it, depending on how you counted. Jesus told us about 38 parables, and 16 of them, we said, were about money, finances, possessions, and all of that. So what I'm trying to say, in essence, is that giving you all this foundation and all this background, it is so important that we take the subject of money very, very seriously. The Bible says some people in the Bible, uh, Paul was telling uh, Timothy to tell his son that some people, because they, did not, they were not careful about money, they have come to pierce themselves with many sorrows. And we don't want that for you. We want you to understand money. We want you to understand what God's intention is about money. And like I said last week, we appreciate every gift that you give us here. But more than that, we want you to be financially stable. We want you to be at peace financially. We want you to have everything surrounding you. When it comes to money, you are not troubled. You are not confused. You are not in a hurry. You are not, I mean, you are just at peace when it comes to the subject of money. And that's why we are going this, going this route. All right? So again, we just want to thank everyone that has given and everyone that is giving and everybody that's supporting us. But much more than that, we want the best of God for you when it concerns your money. Amen. All right. So, and the reason why we're doing, another reason why we're here are doing, you know, I just told you why God is doing it is that, you know, we're in our, you know, we're still talking about our core values and one of our major core values is giving. And we cannot talk about giving without talking about money. I think we're all up to speed now, right? Okay, okay, so I'll go, I'll, I'll go today. So the, what, what I'm trying to talk about today is that God has called us to stewardship. God has called us to stewardship. I want you to talk, turn to your neighbor and say, you are God's steward. Okay, so I'm not anybody's neighbor, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. If you look at, uh, can I get, you know, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, 9, 8. Look at what it said. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. Now, the way Paul said it is not supposed to be the order. It's, well, if you look at all scriptures, if you look at some other scriptures, because the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three scriptures, let every word be, you know, be established, let everything be established, all right? So if you look at what Paul said here, the order is that God has given you all grace to make what? To make, uh, so that you can be able to have all sufficiency in all things, at all times, and have an abundance. But if you look at other scriptures, Right? God created us for, to be able to commit to abundance before it comes to our needs. Case in point, why did God say, Deuteronomy 8, it says, it is God that has given you the power to make wealth. That, to meet your needs? All right, not too many of us have. Can you give me Deuteronomy uh, 8.18, let's see. Let's, let's see what Deuteronomy 8.18 say. Okay. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he has sworn uh, this day. Why is God giving us? Why is God establishing his covenant with us? I mean, why is God giving us resources based on this scripture? 
to establish his covenant. And like we have said, God has created us for good works. He has a covenant with you to be able to accomplish good works. What did God tell Abraham? Gen, uh, Genesis 12, uh, from Genesis 12, starting from verse 1. He said, I will, what? Bless you. To be able to meet your needs. Is that what he said? I will bless you so that you can be a blessing. That's God's mind for it. In other words, God created us and made resources available for us so that first his covenant will be established. And as his covenant is being established, our own needs are being met. And when Paul writes it, it looks like it's easy. But by human nature, because of, you know, the, the, the human condition, right? It is very, very easy for us to turn the, 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 the order of God's purpose for his resources in our lives. We turn it the other way around, right? Because of the human condition, we try to, first of all, meet our needs before we think of the covenant that God has made with us. It's human, it's normal. But I want to tell you this morning that if we do it God's way, yes. and we do it the way God has prescribed it, you will not lack. What we have been taught all this while is to meet our needs. God wants to meet our needs. We give, we do this, we do all of that just to be able to get our needs met. And no, no, no wonder we are at this state where we are now, where, you know, we really don't know too much about what God's purpose is for our lives because we are so self-centered due to God's resources that he has committed into our care. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, he said, when you have, been, when you have eaten and you are full, do not forget. In other words, there is a chance that when you eat, when God prospers you, there's a chance that what God has prospered you with will always lead you away from him. There's always that chance. That's why when you get a promotion, you get an increase, your money increases, your level of, 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 of uh, comfort rises with the level of your increase. Am I correct? When you get a major promotion, for many people, the very first thing they're thinking of is getting a, a new car or getting a new house. Somebody once uh, uh, made, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at some people and somebody particularly, somebody says that when, that, that old women get uncomfortable, when bones are mentioned, right? <laughs> Pastor Charles, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what okay. <laughs> some people are uncomfortable and I'm looking at some people particularly that I know who are uncomfortable because I just said, Mentioned something that, you know, that their level of need increases when they are what? 
income rise. But God is telling us that thou shalt remember the Lord your God after you have eaten and you are full. Remember. 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 And the way to curb greed, the way to curb all these things, to meet our needs, meet our needs, is to, first, is to put God first. Put him first. Put him first. If you put God first, he will help you take care of the rest. Let's look at, let's look at the church that, um, let's look at the church. First uh, Corinthians, give me first, sorry, Second Corinthians chapter eight. I want you to, I, I want to see something because there's a bridge. You see, like I told you, it's not normal, it's not natural for us to have abundance if we are not intentional about it. It's not normal, it's not natural for us as human beings to be able to think of others before we think of ourselves. Therefore, we have to be intentional about thinking about what the covenant of God is for us. And this is what happened. Look at this, look at, look at from verse one. It said, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. Macedonia is an area and it has, you know, a group of churches. And these were some of the most successful churches in Paul's missionary journey. And there were basically three churches and every one of them, Paul, they got great, great reviews and commendation from Paul. And those three churches are the church at Berea. We know what it says. The Bible says it should be like Berean Christians who went home and studied the word of God. Am I correct? The second one is the church at Philippi. We remember the Bible tells them. It says rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice. So they were guys that, uh, that God was encouraging to rejoice. And we have the church at Thessaloniki. These are the three churches that make up the churches at Macedonia. Verse 2. That in great trial of affliction, the abundance, sorry, this, this one I need it in uh, New Living Translation. I want you to see something there, New Living Translation. Okay. That being tested by many troubles, number one, troubles, and they are very poor, number two, poverty, that's a bad combination. When you are poor and you have trouble, it's not a very good combination. But they also, but they are also filled with abundant joy. How do you do that? How do you have trouble? And poor on top of your trouble, and yet you are filled with joy. Is that our condition today? Can you say, you know, in spite of all my troubles, everything that's going on in my life, the things that I understand, the things I don't understand, I am still filled with the joy of the Lord. And look at it. The Bible did not just stop there. He said, he said, this joy that they had, did what? Which has also overflowed in rich generosity. How can poor people be generous? That's an oxymoron. You are poor and you're generous. There's something that happened and that is what I want to share with you today. How did they move from forgetting about themselves 
and minding the things that concerns God. Verse 3, I'll tell you what it is. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. These are people who don't have anything, and yet they are giving far more, not just what was expected. They gave far more than that. And they did it of their own free will. Something has happened to these guys. They are not ordinary guys. Something happened to them. Verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gifts for the believers in Jerusalem. Now, let me, let me give you an example. Let me give you what is happening, all right, in contemporary time. Jerusalem was a place that was in trouble. They had a lot of famine. If you read the history of this, of why Paul was asking this, there was famine in the land. Nothing was going on, all right? And Jerusalem was in trouble, and they needed support from the other body of believers all over the place. And Paul was raising an offering for them to be able to make them survive. And yet, the people that wanted to support the people that had needs were in themselves terrible needs. Generosity is not a function of what you have in your pocket. It's a function of your heart. That's what we said last Sunday. Generosity is a function of the heart. It's not contingent upon what you have. It's like, let me give you an example. There was a, there was a hurricane that happened in, the, the one in uh, the Caribbean, Bahamas, was it last year? Where everything was destroyed. All right, two years ago, right, there was one in Puerto Rico, am I correct? And Puerto Rico has not recovered. Have they? They have not completely recovered, am I correct? So it's like, I'm, I'm not putting myself in the position of Paul. All right? But I'm just making an example, trying to make an example. It's like I go to the Puerto Ricans and say, please, help me because we want to support the Bahamians. In other words, out of your need, the abundance of your need, help us meet the abundance of these guys' needs. And then it's like the Puerto Ricans just said, no, there's no, I mean, we have no, we, we have no uh, inhibition in this. We are going to take all that we can take, get all that we can get, and give it to the Bahamians. Even though we have needs, we are considering other people's needs over and above ours. That's what happened here. Verse 5. Verse 5. Look at what it said. They even did more than we had hoped. No, let me, get, let me get my, okay, NLT. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to what? Themselves. Okay, okay, that's, what I, that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going now. That's where I'm going. I'm going there now with, abund- with, with the call to stewardship. Look at what he said. He said they did what first? For their first action. Now, it's, their first action was not even given. Their first action was to do what? Their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us. The reason why we are not generous at heart is that we have not come to a place 
where we can ask God, what will you have me do? What will you have me do? What will you have me do? We have not gotten to that place. That's what it means by the first of all, gave themselves to God. And that's what a steward does, right? When you're a steward, you are at the service of some person else. In this case, we're at the service of God. And our resources, if, uh, if, us, if we're at the service of God, or at the beg and call of God, then our resources must be the same also. Yes, sir. And the truth of it is, you know, I have not seen somebody who had outgiven God, who had outpaced God in giving. We'll get there, we'll, we'll get there as we continue on this journey. But I just want to tell you, right, that God gives us resources to be able to use to serve him. And in our, in our getting those resources, we have to be at the service of God. We have to be at God's service. We have to be at God's service. Because if you are not at God's service, it becomes a problem. All right. So what, what, what are we saying? That if generosity was basketball, the Macedonian church were like Michael Jordan. Am I correct? That's the guy. All right? If he was soccer, he was like Ronaldo or whoever. I don't know what your star is. Okay, okay. I, I agree, I, I give it to you, I don't <laughs> In other words, when it comes to generosity, they were the star. They were the example. And Paul was making them as an example to the Corinthians, all right? Because he wanted to call, I mean, he wanted to take an offering from the Corinthians, who were probably doing well. But before he was able to do that, he had to encourage them, make an example Make the Macedonian church, the star church, make them an example for them. And say, these guys were in an abundance of need, but out of their needs, they gave what they had. They did not even only give what we expected them to give, but they gave much more than what was expected of them. In other words, current, you have no excuse. Yes. Also, work fan, you have no excuse. There's no excuse. Now, you will see that later as we, as we, as we go through this uh, series, all right? Now, when I'm saying this, when, I, when I'm saying work fun, you have no excuse, I'm not saying go and bring everything that 100% of what you have and give or go and, that's not what I'm talking about, all right? But I'm just saying we need to be much more committed in giving than we are. And you're going to see as we go, as, as we go on, you're going to see what I'm saying. You know, I'm not, we're not saying this for us to uh, increase our revenue, even though we want our revenues to increase. But we are not teaching this for the purpose of that increase in our revenue, but we are teaching this that you will know what the whole counsel of God is Amen. concerning money. Amen. All right, so what is, in, in a nutshell, uh, can you go to Luke 16? I just want us to uh, look at what stewardship is. Luke 16. 
Luke chapter 16, from verse 1. And Jesus told his disciples, Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a manager, who is a steward, if you're a steward, you are what? A manager. And what are you managing? God's resources. There was a certain rich man. How do I know that? The Bible tells us that the cattle on a thousand hills are God's. The earth is mine and the fullness thereof. In other words, we don't own anything. You are doing well in your career. That's not, you know, I'm not challenging that. But I say God gave you that career. Even if you argue that God did not give me that career, I went to school, I had my, um, I, you know, I, I studied well, I graduated well, I did well in my interview, and I got the job. But somebody still gave you that breath. Because without that breath, there will be no school. Without that school, there will be no interview. Without that interview, you will not be able to get the job. So what we're saying is that the earth is the Lord's. Everything in the world is God. And you have to come to that realization that everything you have, everything that you own, you are just loaned for a period. Aye, aye, aye. Everything that you have, God loaned it to you. And what does God want you to do with it? To manage it for him. So the first thing I want you to know is that God owns everything. He is the rich man that has been talked here. All right? You don't own anything. The Bible even makes it very clear. It says you came into this world with nothing. And when you are living, you are going with nothing. You know why? Because it doesn't belong to you. If it belongs to you, you will take it. So everything it's God, you have to come. As a steward of God, you have to know that everything I have, everything I own, everything I possess belongs to God. Paul puts it very well. He says, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who gave himself for me. He said, he said uh, I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. The life that I now live. In other words, what he's saying is that my life is God's life. He put it better in another way. He said, for me to live is Christ, yeah. and to die is gain. In other words, my life belongs to God. So if my life belongs to God, everything upon the face of the earth belongs to him. Because if I don't have that life, guess what happens? I cannot own anything. So as a steward, the first thing you need to know is that everything belongs to God. Then number two is that you should know, uh, is that the number two thing I want you to know. Oh, wow, okay. The second thing I want you to know, sorry, I'm trying to adjust my, okay. We are at God's service and we are accountable to him. If you are a steward, you are at somebody's service and you are accountable to that person. Yeah. Is it that God will come and meet you and tell you, oh, uh, the $10 you got yesterday, come and give account. No, that's not, that's not what we're talking about. 
You see, when it comes to the things of God, accountability is something that starts before the reality even happens. And this is what I mean. You, accountability in the eyes of God is you going before God even before you start spending. Even before you start using the money. Accountability before God means that God, I submit, I surrender everything to you. Now help me to be able to allocate my resources. So we're at God's service and we are accountable to him. All right? Another thing I want you to know about being a good steward, that, that's why I want you, you know, that's why I said, you know, there's always benefit for that. And this is what I want to say, that if you're a good steward and you manage the resources that God has given you well, God increases your capacity for more. Now, do I believe that if you give $50, God can give $50, you know? I believe it. God can do anything. There's nothing beyond God. All right? But that is not the principle. That's not, if you look at scripture, you know, that's not really the principle. When, you know, somebody says, oh, uh, uh, give and this thing. You, you, all kinds of things. Like I said on Wednesday, you know, I've, I've, and I've challenged somebody. Say, uh, somebody said, you know, give your way out of poverty. That's not in scripture. Show me where it is in scripture. I'm standing here, I should be telling you that so I can get more money from you, right? But I want to tell you the truth. When you are faithful, when you are faithful, what God does is that he increases your capacity. Hallelujah. When you give in obedience, what you are doing is that you are making room for yourself for God to increase your capacity to be able to do more. Because at the end of the day, the Bible tells us in these same chapters of scripture that we've been reading, 2 Corinthians 8 and, 8 and 9, he said God is the one that gives you the bread. He's the one that gives you the seed. And he will increase, he will increase your fruitfulness. So what actually God gives to us, when it says give and it shall be given back to you, what God actually gives mainly is what is the capacity to increase. He increases your capacity to be able to do more. All these, you know, uh, uh, vegas that we do with God, you know, uh, if I give a hundred dollar, then I'll get one thousand dollar. If I give it this and we just trivialize God. I'm sorry, we trivialize him. God is able to do much more than that. Money is a tool. Money is a means. But God wants to give you something that is greater than money. And that was why we talked about the blessings of God last Sunday. That the most important thing is not the money, but the blessings of God that brings the money. And what to do with the blessings. So, number one, God is what? The owner of everything. You don't own everything. Anything, right? Number two, we're at God's service and we're accountable to him. And number three, when we are faithful, God increases our capacity. Also, if we are unfaithful, just like this guy, is God going to kick you out of the kingdom? No. Is God going to say you're not a Christian? No. It's just that you have just limited your capacity to increase. 
you put a lead on your capacity. If you read the story of the talent, the one that did with five, God said what? Gave him five. Five more. The one that did two, God gave him. The one that did nothing with it, God took it from him. I mean, the master took it from him. And guess what he said? He said, those that have, in other words, those that have used, those that are obedient, those that are working as the good steward. He said what? He said, those that have, more shall be given to them. And those that don't have, even what they have, will be taken away from them. Are you going to lose salvation? No, but you, 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 you diminish your capacity to be able to work with God. Now, getting, rounding up now, and I'll just rush through this, just go through this, and then we can continue on Wednesday. And on Wednesday, if you can make it, if you can make it to, uh, for Wednesday service, please make it to the Wednesday service because we're going to do a very thorough Bible study. We'll start doing, you know, very thorough Bible studies for the rest of uh, uh, this message. All right. If you look at this, if you look at this parable, the parable of the soil, if you go back home, if you can get, if you have the time, go back and go and study the parable. It's like Jesus is endorsing rascality. Am I correct? Because the guy was an unfaithful servant, and the Bible tells us that the master commended him. All right? He did not do what he was supposed to do. He, did, he wasn't accountable to his master until the master asked for account. He used the master's resources as if it was his own resources. He did all that he could do with that money, but he was benefiting himself. And Jesus still, you know, Jesus still used that story and said the master commended the good servant. But what did he commend? He did not commend his action. He commended his shrewdness. And said the children of this world, in their own generation, are much wiser or shrewd than the children of light. What is he saying? He's saying that these guys know how to use money, even though they are rascals. Even though they don't, you know, they are not, they, they're unrighteous. They still know the importance of what money can do than the children of light. And if the, masters, if the master can commend his shrewdness, I think there are certain things that we need to look at that we can learn from. Am I correct? Yes. And briefly, I just want us to quickly go through it. Number one thing that uh, I think we can learn from this guy the very first thing I think we can learn from this guy is that this guy was able to take stock of what was available for him. He made a mental picture. He did a mental walkthrough of the things that are available for him. And he took stock of what the, th the things that he had. Can you open to Proverbs 27? Proverbs 27. Proverbs 27. Uh, let me look at verse 20. Sorry, Proverbs 20, yeah, 7, verse 23. Proverbs 27, verse 23. Look at what it said. Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds. If you're a good servant, you will know the state of your flock. 
Too many times we don't even know what we have. We don't know what God has given us. It seems that it just comes and we just use it. This guy knew what he had. He knew the resources that were made available for him and he knew how to take advantage of it. Do we ever sit down to say, God, I know you have blessed me, but what really have you blessed me with? And how do I use what you have blessed me with? How do I go about it? That's what the steward would do. This is God's money. It's God's resources that are available to you. What you need to do is, God, what do I have? What have you given to me? And then the next question will be, God, what will you have me do? Number two wisdom that we can learn from this guy is that he had a plan and he executed the plan. He had a plan. He executed the plan. And if we're going to bring it to our own world now, our contemporary world, do you have a plan? Have you ever made a plan on how you are going to execute God's money? There are three basic categories that as we are rounding up, that's what we're getting into now. Three basic categories. Do you have a plan to give? Do you set up a time? Do you look at things? Do you look at your resources and say, hey, I need to make a plan as to what I'm going to give? Number two, do you have a plan of what to keep? Do you have plans for what to keep? And number three, do you have a plan to use your money? In the contemporary world, they call it budgeting and all of this kind of stuff sometimes because budgetings are like plans, right? Yes, they are. Do you have plans? This guy had plans and he executed his plans. He said, oh, what do I have now? Okay, let me go and meet all these guys. Let me meet them. Let me take all of this, what I have. Let me meet those guys. Let me negotiate with them. If I negotiate with them, right, at the expense of my master, I'll be able to get what I want. Even though it was selfish, but yet that wisdom was commended. Number three that this guy did, which will be our final uh, point is that even though this guy was selfish but in the midst of his selfish, uh, selfishness he knew he had to engage with people so he went back and made an engagement engaged with all these people that are owing his masters and that's why immediately after that scripture the Bible says it says make friends with worldly wealth or mammon so that when you have issues, they will accommodate you. In other words, number one, the guy, the guy knew what was available to him. Number two, he made a plan and he executed his plan. Number three, even though it was selfish, he engaged people. Do you engage people with your finances? The resources that God has made available for you. Are you blessing people? Are people benefiting from you? Remember, these guys, the Macedonian guys, they never had much or they barely had enough. But the Bible says, first of all, they gave themselves to God and they gave themselves to us. And afterwards, 
They started doing it not because Paul suggested it to them, but because they decided in their own hearts what they wanted to do. My challenge for you today, and as you go home, please, and please, make plans with the resources that God has given to you. Don't just come and do whatever you want with it and do anyhow you want with it. Paul said, let every man make up his mind. In other words, make your plans. Let every man make up his mind. Number two, take stock of what you have. If you don't know what you have, you are not going to use it well. All right? That's why many of us will have things that we got from Home Depot, but we don't know we have it because we are not taking stock. So you need it now. You go to Home Depot and go and buy it again. Am I correct? Yes. Or some of you, you have clothes, you have these things that you have in your, and shoes and all of that, that you have somewhere, they're stuck somewhere, but you don't know what you have. Right? Then you say, oh, winter is coming, summer is coming, I need a red shoe, I need whatever it is. And already you have three red shoes in your closet. I want you to know what you have. Please, 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 when you go home, as I sit down now, these are the three things I want you to do. I want you to take stock of what you have. Know what you have. If you don't know what you have, you are going to be a waster of resource. Yes. Number two, make plans. You are not too young to make plans. Make plans and plan to execute your plans. Plan what you are going to give. Plan what you are going to keep and plan what you are going to spend. It's going to save you a lot of trouble. As we go along, you are going to, you are going to understand. I'm going to, I'm going to be telling you all these things little by little. You are going to understand the implications of some of these things I'm saying. All right? And number four, you have to engage people in what you do. Engage people. You don't know everything. You don't understand everything. Engage other people. In a multitude of counsel, there is safety. Talk to people about your money, especially the people. Now, if, 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 if you're a spender, don't go and meet a spender and talk to them because they will encourage you to spend more. All right? But look for people that can help you. Look for people because those guys that they went to meet were guys that can help him. And the wisdom we can take from here is that we need to get people that can help us because we don't know everything. And sometimes God will not fall from heaven to tell you what to do and how to do it. God will use people to help you to get to where you need to get to. Amen. Are we all clear with that? Yes. All right, God bless you.